Welcome one and all to the American Towing and Recovery Institute podcast. This is DJ Harrington, your co-host, and my dear friend, the well-known 30 years of training in the industry, written over over 100 articles throughout the trade papers, the one and only Wes Wilburn. Wes, how are you today, my friend? DJ, I'm doing excellent. Hard, hard to believe 30 years is coming up here very directly. It's, uh, <laughs> That's exactly right. And I can't believe it's gone by this fast. Hey, can I tell our listeners, we have over 2,200 here in the United States, 23 in Europe, 64 in Canada. You even had people in Asia listening to this podcast. I don't know if that's the wrong number that happened, I don't, the equivalent of the wrong number back in the phone call days or what, but we're excited. 2,200 constant every weekend we got listeners, what's exciting, and 64 from Canada as, as well. Um, and not discounting any of our friends across the water, it's just the, uh, we're excited about it all. It's very humbling, and we're glad that hopefully people are finding this worthwhile. We're going to... Looking at these statistics as made us think about things, and we're going to get on track to deliver some of the things we promised. Sometimes I'm guilty of talking about things that I don't deliver on. And uh, just, you know, because we get a different idea, go off in a different direction, basically. But maybe take some inventory, and we're excited. Excited well, about a lot of things, DJ. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I welcome all the listeners from across the waters uh, the 23 towing companies in the Europe market. Uh, we listen. We welcome you to the podcast. And are you going to kick off with what happened in Massachusetts class? Is that what your game plan is? Well, yeah, but we got some other business we need to cover first. Okay. Um, first of all, how, how are you doing? How's your health? How did the procedure go? Ah, so those of you that are listening, <laughs> so you'll uh-huh. all know, I had back surgery. And- and DJ, tell him, I don't ask you this off air. I, I wait and mail you all day and don't tell you I'm fast, right? Isn't that one of the things you love about me? Oh, yeah. You're one of the only. Well, I want the listener to know, I've had three back surgeries. And the, the first one, the incision might be a half, a, one and a half inches long. The second oh was a, a, a cyst that was non-cancerous. And that incision is maybe an inch long well i had a back surgery done (laughs) and i told this doctor he could never go into plastic surgery because he has one is eight inches long on my back and the other is nine inches long and they're vertical they're not horizontal like the other two (laughs) right and they're ugly looking but i feel great and my legs are 100% better. So even though the, the, the surgeon's scars are not that appealing, uh, the, the operation was extremely successful. That's good to hear. That is good to hear, DJ. We're thankful. Yeah. We, can, we consider you a national treasure and you need it around. So that's good you're doing what it takes to stay in shape. Well, thank God you, my bless. friend. Okay. So go ahead. How was your- how was your Thanksgiving real quick, and then we'll on to the business. Thanksgiving was great. I took the three grandchildren. We went to the Biltmore House up in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, wow. And I, that shows you how good I am. You know, I could do all the walking, so I, I used a wheelchair inside the museum, but the rest of the time I was fine. Yeah, in the museum, that was too much walking for me, so I, I used one of their uh, wheelchairs. 
But quite uh, a place there, isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. And the grandchildren, they when we got to the library and and they said, Grandpa, this is your favorite room. I said, Yeah, this is my favorite room. And it is. And the little six year old, her favorite room was the the living room area with the big Christmas tree, because all the Christmas decorations are out and everything was there. One of the wealthiest families in our country, you know, started that and built it. And and you think of all the economic deals that were made there with all these wealthy families that used to meet in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, but everything was fine. We had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope all our listeners were had a blessed one, and it was, turned out great. Good, good. That's good to hear. A um, couple things. Visited Asheville 25 years ago to see the uh, Biltmore House. The house is used in the movie Richie Rich, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. And it's incredible that it was built at the turn of the century. Now, when we say turn of the century, we're not talking about the one you and me experienced. We're talking about the ones that our grandparents referred to when we were little children. Exactly. Eight, turning into the 1900s. And it's incredible the home he built out, that family built out in the middle of nowhere. And again, they are very wealthy and had the resources to do it, but it was just incredible. They had running water, uh, electricity, when it was, and it was just being invented. Yes. Uh, and just an incredible place. Uh, 95 fireplaces. Right. Yep. And you're right. With the electricity first started, Thomas Edison, he was there helping them with the electric. Yeah. And the place is self-sufficient to this day. That's another yeah. great thing about it. But anyway, our... our Listeners didn't call for a course before to Western North Carolina, <laughs> but it is good to hear that you enjoyed that. I had a great trip up to Massachusetts. We did two one-day light duty uh, with the help of Dennis Richards. They were great classes. We really stretched and got a whole lot of hands-on done with the, the group of folks we had each day, two different groups. So I enjoyed that. And, uh, stopped and visited some good customers on the way home. We have uh, also kicked off our national co-operator certification exam. We've done the alpha testing and the, and the, the beta testing at this point, and uh, it'll be available. It'll be a new product and service offered by ATRI here very shortly. Nothing to, as we talked about before, nothing to conflict with what we're doing with hands-on schools. We got a bunch of schools planned for uh, next year. We've still got a couple this year. I'm getting ready to leave here. In a couple of days, we go down and do New Orleans, the two-day two uh, light medium-duty course, and then I'm doing a private school the following weekend. So I'm, my schedule's so busy, and then we start right in January with a Little Rock, Arkansas, one-day light duty, two-day heavy duty. And of course, we'll have our all all of our dates on our website. Uh, Charlotte, we're going to, and early March, Alabama. Early March, uh, St. Louis, Purpose Record will be there in May. So we got a whole lot going on for next year. So we're looking forward to that. And, you know, like I say, going out here in a couple of days and going to Louisiana for a stretch, doing a one, two days, one weekend, and then the following weekend for a private house, private class. Wes, just for our listeners' sake, what do you mean by private class? DJ, what we consider a private class is where a company pays for us to come in and just train their people. Uh, we generally do one of our standard courses, although we can customize it for them a little bit if, if need be. And it's 
a lot of times, like what we're doing this coming weekend in Louisiana, the company will have not only all its operational employees, you know, the folks operating the trucks, but they'll have mechanics, dispatchers, everybody takes the course. We do a few team building exercises and everybody gets to get a little different opinion of each other's job and what's going on with things. And many companies have found it's an excellent investment of time, energy, and money to try to get everybody all on the same page, you know, before a busy season, et cetera. So that's the terminology we use for private classes. And uh, we're doing quite a few of these nowadays. I know you've been working on this exam for a while, Wes. What educational value is this? Well, we feel that an operator will uh, question, their, their mind will question things as they take the, the test, even in the different areas that they may not do a lot of work in. One of the things that makes our test maybe a little different is we broke it up into different sections, um, customer service, general knowledge, equipment, towing, recovery. But we also have questions that are specific for law enforcement folks, uh, towing, uh, questions specific to the TIMS program, which is the initiative by the Federal Highway Administration to get everybody working together on the scene. Right. Uh, you know, TIMS classes are offered all over the country, and we recommend watching a short 18-minute video from Federal Highway that helps prepare you for the exam. Um we also have questions, you know, one of the sections we have, DJ, is social media, and we have questions about that. So that's such a huge part of everybody's life and becomes part of the work environment. We ask what we feel are fair and relevant questions that pertain to social media interaction with the, the towing industry. So we think it's a, a well-thought-out, fresh approach to testing and it ha there's an educational value to taking our exam. And we, we invite uh, recovery, towing and recovery operators of all skill levels to test themselves. It, we're in the, as I said, the beta phases, so we're not ready to take them on today as we're recording this, but it'll be open to the public here just shortly at our website, www.amtowri.com. A lot of folks think it's a wise investment of their time and energy for training to do it all together with everybody, get everybody on the same page in one shot. Right. And it's a form of cross training. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. That's from the dispatchers to the mechanics, yeah. to the operators. Wes, it's, when you do cross training, which is very much needed in our industry, the towers understand what dispatchers have to go through. Dispatchers understand the towers. They understand the people that work in the yard. And all of a sudden, everything kind of gels. And there's more understanding of each other's positions. Yeah, I can't agree with that enough. You know, with training and continuing education, whether it's for the dispatch staff or the operators or whoever it's for, not only the technical skills are important, but the team working and thinking about each other's jobs, et cetera, become very important if you really want a group of individuals to mesh and work together as a team. So uh, I got some other things I want to tell you about, DJ, but I think we need to take a quick break, don't we? Yes, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The American Towing and Recovery Institute is proud to announce they are the new owner of Towing Equipment Direct. 
This established towing equipment and supplies company is committed to help progressive towing companies stay ahead of the competition by providing the best quality of towing equipment and supplies. This online catalog with a full-service shopping cart is committed to providing the widest variety of affordable towing supplies and equipment made from the latest technology from the most respected brands in the industry. A popular item is the Peerless Galvanized Chain. This chain has been around for decades. We are the first to bring the superior performance chain to the towing industry. The Peerless Proprietary Shield TM process has a zinc mechanical deposit galvanizing coating. With 15,000 pounds working load limit, this Peerless Galvanized Chain is the choice for towers across the country. For this and many more popular items, go to our website at atri.com and click on the link towingequipmentdirect.com or just go directly to that site. We're working harder to make you smarter. Welcome back, one and all, to the American Towing and Recovery Institute podcast. Our next segment is called Tech Talk, sponsored by Henry Wrecker Service. Wes, share with all our listeners Tech Talk. Thank you, DJ. This is one of those things that we talked about doing in the beginning, and we never seem to get time to do it. We're always doing interviews and whatnot. And I'm not discounting the interviews. feel real fortunate. We've had some great interviews, and we'll continue to have them as well. But we want to get back to our core roots, which is educational value. We have uh, Henry's Record Service of Northern Virginia, suburban Washington, D.C., Maryland locations. Fred has created a sponsorship to help us with uh, sponsoring things like this tech talk, information sharing, et cetera. So we're very thankful for that endowment. We want to talk to other members of the towing industry about the same so we can sponsor more educational value. I just want to take a moment. We're going to attack the subject about working load limits, which is going to lead me to talking about chain and whatnot. Working load limits. Any product that we use that is a weight-bearing, load-bearing product, shackles, straps, chains, cables, winch lines, etc., all have a working load limit, commonly referred to as WLL, also, the product's new old stock, you might see safe working load, FWL. It's becoming rarer and rarer, but that was the uh, the original equivalent of working load limit. The companies over the years have just changed their terminology. Working load limit is the maximum load a product should ever see. Working load limit is nothing more than a ratio, the minimum braking strength, which is just that, the minimum point at which a product fails. That's determined by testing. And when I say testing, they take a hydraulic machine, referred to as a test bed. It applies pressure in a slow, steady fashion and has a computer hooked to it to record at the point that the rigging fails. When they test, products to determine the minimum braking strength. Traditionally, they're used in their most simplest form, i.e. a chain would be perfectly straight, a shaft will be loaded perfectly vertical. Um, there are tests that can be done on some things where there's more than one working load, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Once they've tested a product, like let's say a chain, and they found out the chain failed at 10 pounds. 
uh, consistently at a minimum of 10 pounds. That minimum braking strength of 10 pounds would be assigned to the chain. And there's actually standards set by people like the Chain Manufacturers Association, OSHA, ANSA, etc. And these standards are where are products are, uh, have to meet those standards, those minimum levels. And they've gotten pretty good at the manufacturing and testing product process. That's a pretty consistent uh, situation on domestic rigging. So the chain that failed at 10 pounds, chain has a 4 to 1 ratio, 4 to 1 design factor. So that whole, that chain would be attached to 2 and 1 half pound working load. The other seven and a half pounds it took to make the brand new piece of chain fail is what's considered a reserve capacity in case there's a mistake made, overload situations, etc. That reserve capacity is never intended to be used up uh, in standard lifting operations. The, the working load limit, what remember used to be referred to as a safe working load, that two and a half pounds is all that chain is designed to support consistently for the lifetime of the chain. Now, some people look at a chain and overloading it and don't think that much. It affects, it don't think it affects things that much. Well, there's been some testing done that helps prove otherwise. One example was a test that was run by a major chain supplier in the United States. And they took a piece of grade 100 3.8 chain. The grade 100 3.8 chain has a working load limit of 8,800 pounds. And the catalog braking strength, the minimum braking strength, is four times that, which equals 35,200 pounds. This was a brand new piece that was being tested. In other words, it was brand new out of the barrel, had never seen a load. They wanted to put a 100% overload, overloaded 100% more than it was supposed to carry. That would have been 17,600 pounds. They made the te- the first pull. They actually, it's very difficult to get that machine to stop on a dime. So it actually pulled 17,820 pounds, slightly over the uh 200% of what it's supposed to see. The, the working load limit times two, plus a couple pounds. They relaxed the machine and they made a second pull. And remember, this is only the second load this chain has ever seen. And the chain is supposed to fail at 35,200 pounds. And it only took 28,510 pounds. In other words, it lost about 25% of its strength in one overload situation. Now, there's no way to calculate that the chain's been overloaded this much, so it's lost this much strength. You have to test it to, to uh, see what that is. But if that doesn't o- open up your eyes to overload situations and trying to avoid them and the effect it has on your equipment, I don't know what will. I also hope this highlights the need to properly inspect chain and other rigging before you apply loads to it. Should be part of your beginning of your shift as you do your pre trip inspection on the vehicle you're operating. Take it seriously, inspecting your rigging, look for bent stretch, uh, scarred lengths of chain, 
or any other rigging for that matter, rigging that doesn't function well, you know, i.e. a snatch block or a shackle that doesn't want to screw in easily or all the way. Many different sizes of overload, you should be aware of them and pay attention to them. Remember, you're out there most of the time by yourself, and you're either creating yourself a safe working environment, or you're, sa- you're creating yourself an unsafe working environment. Wes, let me remind our listeners, Tech Talk was sponsored by Henry Wrecker Service, and let's go for a brief message. With over 40 years of experience in the towing business, Henry's Wrecker Service professionally handles accidents, recovery, roadside assistance, parking management, relocating, and more for every type of vehicle. Their experience includes handling from automobiles to big rig trucks, even bicycles, mopeds, motorcycles, and boats. No job is too small for Henry's. Trusted by transit authorities and law enforcement authorities, Henry's has earned the trust of the Northeast. What can they do to serve you? Visit henrysrecker.com. Stay safe. Remember, slow down, move over. Let's get everyone home safe. That's henrysrecker.com. Welcome back, one and all, to the American Towing and Recovery Institute podcast. This is DJ Harrington. Wes, what do you got going on? Well, one of the things I want to bring to everybody's attention is we have the Christmas season's upon us. And we have, um, you know, something that's near and dear to my heart. It's sponsoring different toy-giving organizations, such as, you know, Toys for Tots is one that we choose to sponsor here in southeastern North Carolina. Matter of fact, I'm going to be gone in Lake Charles, Louisiana, the weekend that they're doing the Toys for Tots there in Fayetteville, right down from my house at the Temple Baptist Church. So the local event here at Fayetteville... It's going to be December 11th, 1 to 4, right here at the Temple Baptist Church. Then call our office. We're sponsoring it, 910-747-9000. Nice little event. We'll have a few little snacks. Kids come out and play. We'll gather up some toys. And, um, you know, any year these organizations need support. They need a lot of support. I know I'm sure some of the listeners have heard me, heard me tell my story about the preacher asking me how many toys and we counted last year and got some numbers from the local Toys for Tax folks. You know, the organ, the volunteers that run the local organization is what I'm speaking of, DJ. Right. They, um, it was like 2.2 presents per kid a year ago. I don't know how we ended up a little bit better last year. But, you know, this year is going to be tough with the economy, what it is. So I'm asking all anybody listening to this, whether it's here in the United States or abroad, to find a toy-giving organization and support them. Uh, there's, there's plenty locally. If you want to support our, or what our Toys for Cats drive from afar, you can do that as well. Just call the office and they'll make arrangements, however you want to handle that, to send us stuff. The office here in Fayetteville, off exit 55, off I-95, is the Toys for Cats drop-off location. We have boxes if you want to make your local place a drop-off location. And whether it's Toys for Tots or, you know, the folks at Worldwide do a great thing up in Chicago where all the tow trucks get together. And heck, DJ, I think that a couple of years ago was in the Guinness World Book of Records for being the largest tow truck parade ever. Exactly. And it was all gathered around, gathering up toys. 
the kids. I don't. I think they go through their own distribution. I'm not sure exactly how they handle things, but there's plenty of fine local and national organizations handling this. I know some folks support their local police or sheriff or fire department that handles toys for local kids on a local level. There's plenty of ways to get involved. I'm just suggesting everybody they do it, especially this year and any year. We need to support things like that. I was fortunate. I was raised in a household. We didn't struggle like that at all. So um, it breaks my heart to think about young kids and, and struggling with that. Wes, I have to tell you, we had somebody call our hotline. Um, uh, by the way, our hotline is 706-409-5603. And we had, and his name is Kevin Fox from Alligator Towing in Florida. And guess what he said? Do you remember two episodes back we talked about Toys for Tots? Right. And, and Kevin was very nice to say, DJ, do you remember when you were down here in Alligator Towing, we called on nursing homes and found out there were three people in the nursing home that had no family and Kevin Fox and his mother provided gifts for the three elderly people. And he reminded me, he said, not everybody has young people, but there are some old people in our country that need a little TLC during Christmas holidays. And we actually did. We contacted a nursing home in Fort Myers, and they said they had three residents that had no relatives. Everybody else got a gift. Everybody else got something. Somebody at least visited them. And so Mrs. Fox and Kevin Fox provided three gifts for these residents that had no one. So I think that's another gesture of the towing industry, how kind they are. And Toys for Tots. I've always been a Toys for Tots person. Here in the Atlanta market, we contribute very well with them. Well, that's that's good to hear, DJ. The... um it's an interesting point Kevin makes. They, uh, we have to think about both ends of that spectrum. And heck, looking out for old people, the, 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 someone that's getting to be an old people, I'm all for that. So, <laughs> Well, it was nice. I was glad he was listening to the podcast. That was a good feeling. Yeah. That brings me, I guess it's an awkward segue, but it does bring me to my next um subject I want to address in this podcast um, lost of two different people in the past week or so. One on my news exclusively through telling was my original connection with them. Clayton McDonald here. His family had 301 truck stop. His brother still has it. Uh, grandfather started 1939 here on old 301 before I-95 was the main north route, north-south route on the East Coast. Played, uh, unfortunately, succumbed to uh, COVID uh, a week or two ago, yeah. Four years and a day older than me. Our birthdays were one day apart, and he was four years older than me. Wow. Um, He had struggled with some other health issues in his life, and unfortunately, he succumbed to COVID. And he was, uh, his family rent property to me that we used for Rackmaster for a training facility up here in Fayetteville. So I met him through towing in the early 90s, and God rest his soul. And then, unfortunately, a young man that I went to school with, another one of my classmates, died relatively young in a 
passed away suddenly, according to his sister, through Facebook. So that's, uh, you know, what me John Brandt was his name, good young man, like myself, he was in my age range, under 60. And he, I'm not sure what he passed from exactly, but he's gone as well. So make sure you be thankful for the days you got. Focus on what's good in life. And, um, you know, as my dad always said, when you consider the alternative, it's a good day. So Exactly right. So I want to God bless the, both them, condolences to their families. Right. To Mr. McDonald and Mr. Brandt, let God open their arms and accept them in. Amen. Well, my friend, this has been a good episode. Is there any parting words you want to tell the world? Yeah, looking forward to talking to you next week. I hope the uh, tech talk was worthwhile. We're going to try to lead one into the next, into the next. And um, I'm looking for suggestions. Glad to hear some people use the the phone line and called in. We appreciate that. The... uh, and I look forward. We're gonna. I'm gonna do the next one next week from the road down in Louisiana. So I look forward to talking to you down when I'm down on the bayou. Wes, thank you very much for this episode, and we'll have everyone come and listen to us. Listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Tune us in, review us, like us, and let us know how we're doing. Wes, thank you very much. Thank you, DJ.